we welcome you to the preaching service of the Scottsport Christian Church. I'm Otis Clark, the minister, and we're very pleased to have you sharing this podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about the twofold embrace, and it has to do with the birth of of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus Christ. But before we read the scripture, before we get into our sermon, I want to take time here to think about our brothers and sisters, people all across the Commonwealth of Kentucky who have shared in such devastating events, especially Western Kentucky. And uh, we know that uh, we're at a time of the year when we uh, think about joy and we think about happiness and and we think about very positive things. And yes, even in all of this, we can find positive things, but still uh, we're human and it is a very devastating event. Uh, If you will, bow your head and pray with me as I say a special prayer for our friends all across the state. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you on this Lord's Day, and we certainly would be amiss if we do not keep before us the unbelievable happenings that took place here in Kentucky, especially in western Kentucky. And we pray for the uh, families of the victims who were killed, and we pray for all of those, so to speak, who have lost so, so much which was so dear to them. We just pray that in some way, somehow, that we will do everything we can to help our brothers and sisters. We pray for strength for them. We pray for courage. We pray for encouragement. And we pray for those things which our Lord can give. So bless them in a special way, if you will, Lord. In the Master's name we pray. Amen. This morning I'm going to be reading in the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, beginning with verse 5 and reading through to verse 13, and then reading verses 18 through 20, and then verses 24 and 25. Let's listen, if you will, to the word of the Lord. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childish without child, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And then, if you will, drop down to verses 18 through 20. And Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well among in years. And he said, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, for I have been sent to you 
uh, to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will would come true at their appointed time. And then verses 24 and 25. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And then we won't read at this time in Luke 1, 39 through 45, where we read about Mary's song or where Mary visits, like I said, in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Mary's song that's recorded in verses starting in verse 46 and so forth. But we'll talk about it as we go along in our sermon. Share with you, would you, what would you do, or what would you say, or what would you ask if you found you were to have a private audience with God's top, top of the line angel? And of course, I'm speaking of Gabriel. For us, this is purely hypothetical question, but for, for Zechariah, it became a reality. One Memorial Day, he found himself face to face with Gabriel. God's special emissary of good news. Zechariah, let's note if you will, was a priest from uh, the Judea, Judea village of Eon Kerem, not too far from Jerusalem. Even today, if you and I were to go there, it continues to lie in dreamy loveliness, a village of cypress and vineyards. As a priest, Zechariah would take his turn serving at the temple in Jerusalem. On the day in question, Zechariah, as we just read a moment ago, was chosen by Lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. For Zechariah, this was virtually a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for to be in the sanctuary of the Lord was to be in the very presence of God. And so the question is asked, what would Zechariah do? What would he say? Are asked now that he was in this incredible position. The Bible describes Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, as we read earlier, as righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. Now make no mistake about it, brothers and sisters, when we think of the parents of John the Baptist, Zechariah and Elizabeth were good folks. But Zechariah entered the sanctuary as a troubled man. He and Elizabeth were troubled that they had no children. You see, in biblical times, Old Testament time, children were understood to be a blessing from God for three reasons. First of all, to carry on the family name. Children perpetuated God's covenant with Israel. And thirdly, the children would provide care for their parents in old age. Needless to say, it was bad enough that that Zechariah and Elizabeth were childless, but their pain was multiplied because you see in that first century mindset, an inability to have children was regarded as a tragedy, a a disgrace, and even a sign of God's punishment. And certainly Zechariah, a good and righteous man, withdrew to his prayer closet. He lamented 
and he said, Lord, what have you got against me? Zechariah's problem is timeless. You see, centuries before the world ever heard of uh, Rabbi uh, Kushner, uh, many, many people knew uh, the question because basically that was what Zechariah was asking. That was the question that Kushner asked. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, when we look at this, probably that is somewhat the way that Zechariah was approaching this. Now, let me reiterate, we are speaking of first century mindset and not our own. Thankfully, we no longer look with disdain upon those unable to have biological children. We mentioned the first century mindset that we might understand where Elizabeth and Zachariah's pain was. They were good people. Like I said, they were fine people, exemplary people. But their lack of children in that time period jeopardized them and caused uh, them to be looked upon with disdain. So, friends, we need to say and understand that this was a very, very difficult time. Uh, Why couldn't we have children? And this leads us to why we lift Zechariah among the Bible's heroes, though he had every reason to turn his back upon God, Zechariah does not do so. He remains a man of faith, even when faith seems silly to have. Had Zechariah been a good man, blessed with children, grandchildren running around his feet, it would have been no big deal for him to go before the Lord with offering tribute. You see, praising God, and possibly, hopefully not a whole lot fall in this bracket, but it may be so, uh, that we find it easy uh, to praise God whenever when life is like a piece of cake. But it takes a person of great integrity to be faithful when life is stale bread. Listen to the following words. We know as we look at Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter of the Bible, and we ask, what is faith? And one translation has it like this, a little bit different than NIV, and it says, faith gives us substance to our hopes and makes us certain of realities we do not see. Zachariah's faith is able, is about to take substance. He is about to become certain of realities he does not see. And so we note here, Zechariah has a private audience with God. What will he do? What will he say? What will he ask? We never learn the answer to that question. We only learn that when the angel Gabriel appears, Gabriel tells him, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you will call him John. Apparently, Zechariah has been praying not only for the people of Israel, but also for himself. It is then, as we continue to look at the scriptures, that Zechariah makes two, two mistakes which all men should remember. Number one, you see, as soon as Gabriel gives him the good news, Zechariah opens his mouth and promptly inserts his foot. He questions Gabriel, how will I know this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on his years. His two mistakes were, never doubt 
the word of an angel. And let me just say here, brothers and sisters, as you read the greatest book in all the world, it is unbelievable the role of angels in the work of our Father. Unbelievable. Uh, I have a book in my library uh, that's given solely to the teaching about angels. And so no, never doubt uh, the word of an angel. And second, and you'll get a chuckle out of this, is never offer commentary on your wife's age. Gabriel tells Zechariah that because of his doubt, that he will be he will not be able to speak for the next nine months until his child is born. Can you imagine having a husband unable to speak but through a pregnancy? And so we notice here, Zechariah emerges from the sanctuary, and the people know his strange countenance and know that he has seen a vision. And this leads us to our other birth announcement, and that is the birth announcement of Jesus. We move about 75 miles north from E.M. Karen to Nazareth to the home of Mary, and there we find vivid differences. Where Zechariah and Elizabeth are an elderly couple, Mary is an unmarried girl of about 14 years of age. The birth announcement to Zechariah and Elizabeth was literally the answer to a prayer. The birth announcement to Mary sounded like a nightmare. She asked Gabriel, how can this be? I am a virgin. And friends, that is a very important thing because through the years of time, through the annals of time, uh, many have questioned this miraculous conception. But you know, if we stop and think about it, it is interesting how much difficulty we have with the virgin birth, but in a day when we have the ability to manipulate the creation of human beings through sperm banks and embryo implants, it is ironic that we deny the creation, the creator, the same options. But the point is, it was a miraculous conception And friends, I have found, and I point this out, and how we need to keep this before us, that in reading the Holy Bible, the greatest words, the greatest book in all the world, if you take the word supernatural out, then you are going to have difficulty. When you take the word miraculous out, you're going to have a lot of difficulty. And this was a miraculous conception. Mary's ultimate faith is even more evident than Zechariah's. When she understands that that her child will be the savior of the world, she faithfully responds, and this is what she says. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. The fate of humanity's salvation story tested upon a quivering girl who quickly becomes a strong woman of enormous faith. We have not done enough, possibly, in encouraging encouraging our young girls to look at the life of Mary and see all the things that she displayed, especially after she was made mindful that she would be the one who would bring the child into the world. Throughout her life, she will come to, she will prove to be a wise choice to be the one who would give birth and who would nurture and constant love to Jesus. Let us, my friends, never forget that Mary was with Jesus even 
as he was dying on the cross. He was, she was there uh, on the day of Pentecost when the Lord's church was established and also at the very moment of the birth of the church. She not only gave birth to Jesus, she helped birth the church. She knew that her son lived. Now comes the part of Mary's story. Uh, I have never noted uh, this. Uh, I have not. I have never before noted, though we often note how unfair it seems that the Roman census demanded that Mary and Joseph travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem in the final stages of Mary's pregnancy. Have we noted that at the very beginning of her pregnancy, Mary chose to make a similar journey of similar length to stay with Elizabeth? Our attention is often drawn to the colorful moment in the story when the baby within Elizabeth leaps at the good news of the coming of the Christ child. Even from this part of the story, many of us conjecture that uh, Mary and Elizabeth were contemporaries, young cousins, sharing the joy of their firstborn child. But friends, that is not the case at all. Elizabeth is much older than Mary, well past the child-bearing years, while Mary is not much older than a child herself. And we notice that Elizabeth becomes a mentor to Mary as Mary stays with Elizabeth for the next three months, almost to the time when John will be born. And at the news of that birth, Zechariah will finally regain his his tongue. He recites the beautiful song that we read in Luke 1, 68 through 79. It's a joyful ending to a touching story. In the 15th century, an artist captured the moment when Mary shares her news with Elizabeth. It was painted by an artist with the distinctive name of Rulan Fruoth the Elder. And uh, it's a marvelous portrait portrait which captures the maturity of Elizabeth and the youth of Mary, and both of them are in awe as what is happening in their lives. Mary is the handmaid of the Lord. Elizabeth's child is an answer to prayer who will make the way for Jesus, but it is their hands that Ruan Fuoff uses as his centerpiece. Richard Harris describes those clasped-together hands as the two-fold embrace, gentle and firm, suggesting mutual feeling, comfort, and support. Mary, Elizabeth, Zachariah, give us a marvelous entry point for our season as we share the many lessons of the birth of Christ. Their quiet faith, interpersonal support, reminds us that this is a season not for us for not but for us, something to go get through but something which is supposed to get through us that is what is important is life is faith and relationships in the christmas story the relationships are many man to woman woman to woman angel to man angel to woman god to humanity indeed we have our own twofold embrace. God did embrace us in Jesus, but it took one like us, Mary, to be the handmaid of the Lord. You see, in choosing Mary, we notice that God became intimate 
uh, intimate and helped us uh, and, uh, to remember that we are made in the image of God. I share with you, friends, in the frantic action of this month, nerves free, we become distracted from that which really is really uh, from that which really is important, which is loving each other. The beautiful birth stories of Jesus and John remind us to cherish each other. If we can't cherish each other, then why bother with all the tinsel and the wrappings? Actor William Holden started or stared, beg your pardon, uh, shared in some of the most popular movies of the 1940s and 50s. Yet as the years passed by, William Holden seemed to regret his fame. He cut himself off from others. He died at the age of 63, and apparently of a head wound sustained when, in a drunken stupor, he fell and hit his head on a table. Tragically, his body was not discovered until many days after his death, and at the last line of his obituary stated, Holden guarded his privacy with increasing vigilance. People, many people do that, but they go through life guarding their privacy. Wise people, though, know we are created for relationships and for community. I want to close with some very powerful words of Henry Newman just prior to his death. He spoke of the need to live in community with others, that at the apex of community, there are the twin pillars of celebration and forgiveness. Newman said, community is characterized by forgiveness and celebration. Forgiveness means, listen to this, that I continually am willing to forgive the other person for not being God. You see, God's love is unlimited, but people's love is not. The interesting thing is that when you forgive people for not being God, then you can celebrate that they are a reflection of God. Can I share with you in closing here in a few moments that may we be willing to forgive enough that we might see the divine. May we sense the embrace of God who draws us near in Jesus. May we listen for the words of angels which never quit speaking. Do not be afraid. Good news, good news, good news. You see, friends, you probably have heard this expression many and many a time, but God gave us the very best of heaven. He gave his son. He came in poverty that we might share in the riches he has left behind for us. Friends, as we share in this season, may we see the mighty work of God. May we see the mighty work that he did in the work of Zechariah and Elizabeth as they prepared the way for the coming of Jesus Christ with the son, with their son, Jesus, John the Baptist. And as we share in this season, friend, I encourage you, if you are not a Christian, to open your Bible. It's easy to read about the birth of Christ. The one who came, name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, and oh, how we need him with us. God is the one who came. He shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We need him, friends. The world needs him. The greatest gift, and is a gift that keeps on giving, may we never Take it for granted. Let us pray. 
Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you that we can see so many important things about our beloved Lord as we read in the Gospel of Luke and as we have read in the Gospel of Luke. We pray for every listener. We pray he or she, whatever the situation, that they have accepted the greatest gift in all the world, that they have given him a chance in their lives. We know that concerning the mess our world is in, that there is only one who can turn it around, and that is Jesus Christ. And we pray that if we have not opened our hearts, that we would do so. Because we know that when we read about the innkeeper, when we read about the priest and the different individuals at that time who were present, there was no room. I pray, Father, I pray, Father, that there is room in all of our hearts for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.